Good morning from Fast Company. Here's our daily look into what's driving today's creative business leaders. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning from Fast Company. Here's our daily look into what's driving today's creative business leaders. Greenwashing, the term referring to businesses exaggerating their commitment to sustainability, is now firmly rooted in our modern-day lexicon. Baseless green claims draw public scrutiny and sometimes outrage, not to mention lawsuits, such as ones filed against companies including Dasani, Kroger, and Whole Foods. Faced with the threats of tarnished reputations and legal troubles, some companies are instead choosing not to communicate their climate goals at all, leaving them unpublicized and meaning other companies can't emulate their success. A new term has sprouted to signify the practice, green hushing. Green hushing refers to companies purposely keeping quiet about their sustainability goals, even if they are well-intentioned or plausible for fear of being labeled greenwashers. Xavier Font, professor of sustainability marketing at the University of Surrey in the UK, defines it as the deliberate downplaying of your sustainability practices for fear that it will make your company look less competent or have a negative consequence for you. How long has this term been around and how common is it? Since at least 2017. Font had seen the term only once before studying the practice more closely that year, and for something many of us may not have heard of, the practice is pretty prevalent. Greenwashing is very visible, Font says. Green hushing, by definition, is not. But I think green hushing happens a lot more than we realize. It gained more widespread coverage after October 2022 when Swiss carbon finance consultancy South Pole highlighted the trend of green hushing in a report. It noted that nearly a quarter of 1,200 companies with a sustainability head are not publicizing achievements beyond the bare minimum. Belgium had the highest rate, with 41% of its companies with science-based climate targets not publicizing them. The report called the trend concerning because publishing green actions has the power to inspire others, shift mindsets, and encourage collaborative approaches. In his study, Font, who focuses on the tourism industry, found that companies were not communicating environmental successes to consumers, especially odd in an industry where there are many chances to do so, such as at hotels or on websites. The study concentrated on 31 small rural tourism businesses in England's Peak District National Park. Font found that companies communicated only 30% of their sustainability actions. He noted that companies feared that by broadcasting their sustainability practices, customers would believe their vacation experiences would be worse. One issue, he says, is that many companies aren't sure when to announce achievements. 
A hotel he worked with that procured sustainable seafood sourcing didn't know whether to announce it when launching or when half of its hotels used it or when all of them did. If 50% of my supply chain is doing something, he was asked, is that a message that is credible for me to communicate to the world? Similarly, Font mentions pushback over supermarkets labeling bananas as fair trade because customers then asked why more goods weren't fair trade. Many companies are choosing not to talk about it simply for fear that the customers will see the glass as half empty, not half full, he says. For larger companies, there are legal motivations to not report extensively. In recent years, lawsuits have been filed against Dasani for claiming its water bottles were 100% recyclable and Kroger for claiming its sunscreen was reef-friendly. Cracking down on these false claims, like the ubiquitous locally sourced wherever possible, is a good thing, Font says. That's a bit like saying, I'm a good husband whenever possible, he says. It has no value. Like in Europe, American companies are receiving pressure from environmental groups to stop greenwashing. But in the U.S., companies have to worry about the other political side, too, as there is an increased politicization of the climate crisis and environmental and social governance, or ESG. Several states, most notably Florida, are divesting billions of dollars from BlackRock because it has developed strong ESG portfolios. We see attacks being more irrational and so fierce, says Peter Zila, a professor of corporate social responsibility and business ethics at Università della Svizzera Italiana in Switzerland. This has created another reason for companies to stay silent, or else also be on the receiving end of anti-woke tirades. That polarization is troubling, Font says, and seeps into customers' beliefs, which requires businesses to be culturally sensitive in the markets they operate in. If I was a company in the U.S. serving the full range of customers, I would downplay the S-word, he says, referring to sustainability. They may want to spin a sustainability practice as one that is beneficial to customers in some other way. In the U.S., we're just more litigious, says Anant Sundaram, a professor of business and climate change at Dartmouth University. You say something in your 10K or you put out some document and immediately it becomes the basis for a lawsuit. So American companies tend to prefer to stay under the radar and are a little gun-shy. Climate reporting is now prevalent across developed nations, and the disclosures on climate risks, mitigation, and sustainable strategies that companies submit to government agencies are publicly accessible, but mostly they are voluntary, allowing businesses to greenhush. Companies are keeping relatively quiet about most of their climate data. In the U.S., a report found that while 71% of S&P 500 companies report their greenhouse gas emissions, only 28% of smaller companies do, and only 15% of S&P 500 companies disclose information on biodiversity and deforestation, and 12% on water risks. But public reporting is changing soon. In the EU, climate disclosures will become mandatory in 2025, and for a wider swath of companies than previously. In the U.S., the Securities and Exchange Commission aims to roll out stricter regulations for 2024, which will initially be for larger publicly traded companies with market caps of at least $700 million. This stricter enforcement may give businesses less of a choice to practice green hushing. As the Swiss report noted, companies discussing their climate actions can have positive knock-on effects and create change, but not if they're silent. Greenwashing crackdowns are valuable, but not if they are indiscriminate. Zila says there is a trend of attacking companies no matter how good their actions or intentions, which has brought about another phrase in the German media, greenwashing truther, for people who launch those kinds of accusations. And in France, new greenwashing laws will place fines on companies for making misleading claims like being carbon neutral. 
While well-intentioned, such laws may serve to reduce greenwashing, but heighten green hushing. That's all today from Fast Company. Talk to you tomorrow. Spoken Layer Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.